27, Psalms 27. Uh, I had uh, these verses on my heart uh, for about two weeks now. And I thought if I had an opportunity to preach, I'd preach on this. Uh, but looks like y'all get stuck with it tonight. So we won't let y'all hear it anyway. Um, the Lord just really uh, burdened my heart on this. And I remember when I was very, very low, uh, Brother Lamar Purcell handed me a CD um, of a, uh, actually handed it to Les, and he, Les gave it to me, uh, of a preacher. I don't remember his name. I wish I still had the CD. I've loaned it out, and I want it back. If you've got it, I want it back. Uh, but uh, he preached on verses 12 and verse number 13 of Psalms 27. And um, I'll never forget how that preacher's message just really kind of uh, buckled me, undergirded me, and helped me. And I want to use this psalm tonight with the thought, just three words, it gets better. It gets better. Uh, so I want to read verses 1 through 5 and just read verse 13. And, uh, and then verse 14, and then we'll get into the lesson this evening. And the Bible reads like this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up on a rock and then skip down to verse number 13 I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart wait I say on the Lord in these verses, we recognize in Psalms 27 that the writer undoubtedly must have been David. If you've got a Schofield Bible, you'll see the subtitle under verse uh, Psalms chapter uh, 27. It says a Psalm of David. And we know, uh, we've studied the Bible, the book of Psalms, and we know that David pinned down the majority of the Psalms. And uh, you know, David must have been a man. He must have been a great man. A man that was not only a man of war, but he was a man of skillful prayer. He knew what it was to be a prayer warrior. And in the psalm, the psalmist seems to be uh, given a testimony of what he went through. And, uh, and then he's also, uh, he introduces maybe some prayers even in the midst of this psalm. In verse number 13 is where I'd like to bring the thought tonight. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And I underlined the first part of verse number 13. I had fainted. I had fainted. And uh, in David's life, he had suffered many tragedies. Sometimes he was up high. Sometimes he was down low. 
But in this Psalm chapter 27, uh, I believe one writer said this, that this must have been the time when Do, uh, Doeg, if I'm pronouncing his name right, right Doeg or Doeg, uh, from, uh, the Edomite that stood before the King Saul and uh, warned out threatening against <coughs> the great sweet psalmist of Israel, David. And I see David, a lot of his early life, before he was ever anointed, before he was crowned king, he was running for his life. He spent a lot of nights in caves, in the wilderness, uh, in deserts, in places where no one could find him because King Saul was against him. And, uh, and David was at that place in his life. But notice what he said. I had fainted. He'd gotten to the place in his life. Listen to me, church. He'd gotten to the place in his life that he was, he was spent. His, his strength was gone. His mind might even uh, not even thought, didn't trust anybody. Uh, I see David uh, not only in this statement that he'd fainted, that he, he was not only weary physically, but maybe he was even weary spiritually. And uh, listen, church, there's going to be times in a child of God's life where we just want to throw in the towel and quit and give up because it's mm. just too hard. We all will get there at some point or another. We'll get there in our life. And, and I believe this. There's a lot of young Christians right now that have fainted in the way of the Lord. And they have not come back to the house of the Lord. And that's shame on us as the church. Amen. We need to be going to them and, uh, and, and helping them and doctoring them and loving them. But David was at that place in his life. I want you to understand exactly where he was at. Notice in verse number 1. Notice it shows that this writer says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. He gives, uh, it gives the state of this saying. It shows where uh, he is. He says he makes the testimony, The Lord's my light and my salvation. Listen, church, it doesn't matter how dark life gets, there's always the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in the heart Amen. of the believer. I don't care where you get where you are, and I, I'll, I'll never forget this. I, I may have shared this once before, but I remember uh, uh, Clinton Waters was at the medical center uh, years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago, and I first took the church at Friendship, and he was down there, and he had uh, a knee replacement surgery, and Gomer was laying there, and Mimi was there, and they were discouraged. And man, I was discouraged for some reason. I didn't know why. And uh, we, we were there, and, and uh, I walked in, and it was about 8.30 at night. I went down there, felt led of the Lord to go visit them. And, and Stephen, I walked into the hospital room, not knowing what I was walking into. I just felt led of God to go visit the man. We got in there, and that man was laying in the bed. And I walked in, and he was crying. His wife was upset. And I said, Gomer, what is the matter? And he said, the preacher, he said, they almost lost me today. I had an allergic reaction to some uh, medication. He said, preacher, I'm hurting. My body hurts. I'm lower than I've ever been. I just don't know if God can deliver me out of this. And I said, wait a minute, Gomer. I'm low too. Why don't we get in here and pray? And I grabbed me, me, his wife up by 
the shoulder and grabbed Gomer by the hand and we began to pray and I, I'll never forget this long as I live that old man laid there wept bitter I mean bitter crocodile tears in that bed and in just about two or three minutes of praying that old man reached the portals of heaven with his prayer and he, he lost his, uh, his sorrowful spirit and joy entered the room it's like the light turned on in the room and I believe you could have turned the lights off and there would have been that holy glow of God and I never felt the power of the Lord like I did that night and Gomer said son I'm so glad you came down here he hugged me and we loved each other and worshipped together and I want to say it does not matter how low you get in life the light of God is still there David was low but he remembered the light of the Lord in his life. He said, the, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Notice verse number 2, 3 and verse number 10. Notice this. It shows uh, this saint here, the saint of God, his safety uh, during the tribulation that he was in. Notice verse number 2. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell notice he's uh, being encamped about by wicked people but God still protects him look at verse number 3 though an host should encamp against me he said my heart shall not fear though war should rise against me in this will I be confident now, skip down to verse number 10 notice this when my father and my mother forsake me then the Lord will take me up won't you understand something tonight about David, this great man of God that he was? This man had something about him. He knew that he was he was encamped about. The, the whole host was against him. Now you can picture Saul, and he had people out looking for David and said, I want him dead. I want him gone. I don't, want him. I don't want him in my kingdom. I'm jealous of that man. I want him dead or in the hammer. And listen, this man David, he knew where his hope was. It was in heaven. He was uh, seated uh, there in the glories of God. And I see David there. He said, they can all encamp against me. But he said, God will deliver me. Isn't it something when your enemies come against you and God seems to send them in another direction? They stumble and they fall and they cannot seem to get to God's elect. How many of you ever had someone against you on the job site? How many of you had someone against you in church? And they seem to ruffle your feathers and you know you're in the right and you try to approach them and be kind and be good about them. And I'll say if we take our petitions to God in prayer, God will handle the whole mess and situation just like that. I remember this, there was a man causing trouble years ago at the church that friendship when I was there. And he was causing a lot of trouble. And I went to God in prayer. I said, God, I don't know how to handle this. It's my exact words. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do, but I pray you'd handle it. You know, a few days later, that man had a, a severe uh, brain aneurysm and liked to die. And I'm not praying that God would hurt him, but he did. And he, uh, he almost died. But you know what really happened in the midst of all that? I was sitting back watching as the pastor. I said, God, you have fixed this situation. This man came out from that surgery from a traumatic brain injury. Uh, there he was uh, ornery and mean at times before he had his brain surgery. But after he had it there, it changed his personality. And instantly all that trouble went away. I want to say God can make your enemies uh, to even stumble in the presence uh, of you. And David was there. But he says this about his father and mother. And I thought 
this was something we need to pull out and uh, share with you. Sometimes our family is going to be against us. Sometimes our own kids may be against us. I see my kids and Daddy and Eli says, I'm not against you, Daddy. Sarah says, I'm not against you, Daddy. I believe that little Emmett, he's against me. He don't let us sleep all night. <laughs> I want you to understand that, listen, sometimes our family is against us. The worst kind of pain we can have is when our own family, our own spouse, our own uh, kids, our, our, our brothers and sisters are against us. That's the worst kind of pain. Someone you've raised and loved, that someone you've labored with and uh, had a lifetime together with. They said Schofield, when uh, his uh, uh, wife left him and he started in the ministry, and uh, they said when he his first wife left him, he tried to do things right and make things right. She didn't want anything to do with him, and she left him. And Schofield uh, said this, said it was most, such a troublesome time in his life. I want you to understand this today. Schofield's, if you've got a Schofield Bible, I'm talking about that Schofield, all right? I want you to hear me today. Uh, when our family comes against us, makes us want to faint a lot of times. I mean to just, hey, what's the point in going on? David, he knew what it was to be low. I'm, I'm teaching tonight on it does get better. It gets better. Notice this in verse... Uh, verses uh, number uh, number 10 again about his father and mother. Uh, verse number 12, uh, after his father and mother, notice he says, for false witnesses are risen up against me. Slander is a terrible tool of the devil. I had so many lies told on me through the years that I'm ashamed to even talk about. I, I mean, man, I, I've had stuff said on me and, uh, you know, and I just kind of look at them and say, well, that's not right. That's not true to you. You can tell me it's true. I, I believe I believe it if it's true. But if, if I hadn't done it, I ain't done it, you know. Listen to me, preachers. There's going to be time. And even in these last days, well, we better want to suit up in the whole armor of God. And our, our backbone better be bigger than a pine log. And we better have alligator skin about us. We're going to have uh, uh, our name smeared in the mud for doing what's right. This church will have your name smeared in the mud. Slander is coming. And listen, it's coming. But I... I I want to say, don't give up and quit. You may say, well, uh, this church does it this way, that church does it that way. And, uh, well, they're doing it better over here than we are here. I want to say, it's just slander. You just do what you've been called to do. Uh, be faithful where God's planted you. And let God uh, settle it when it all comes to the end. Amen. Notice this in verse number, uh, uh, number 12 again. It says that uh, deliver me over, uh, deliver, uh, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. And the will of the enemy tonight is to kill, steal, and destroy. Is it not? You know what he's after? He's after your testimony, dear Christian. He's after you. I, I think about this. The great psalmist that David was. I'm getting to the lesson now. I'm getting through it. Notice. Uh, notice that in verse number 4 flip back, go back to verse number 4 it shows the desire of this saint and he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord boy isn't that a wonderful desire this man was running for his life and he said in his spirit and his heart he said one thing have I desired of, uh, of the Lord that 
that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Mm. Or to be the desire of every Christian. And let me sure. check out right here for just a second. It's not enough to come on Sunday morning to back the preacher up. It's not enough to back the Sunday school teacher up. When we come to God's house, we are coming to be in the presence of God. Let me say that again. We're coming to be in the presence of Almighty God. If we're here to make the preacher happy, we've missed the mark. If we're here to make the deacon board happy, we're in the wrong place and the wrong spirit. But we're to dwell in the house of the Lord and seek after uh, His presence in His house. And to behold, watch this now, the beauty of the Lord. Amen. When's the last time, dear church, that you looked at your uh, Savior and said, Lord, you're beautiful. Lord, your goodness and mercies overshadowed me. And listen, we come and we want to grab and complain about everything we went through through the week. And say, oh, I can't get into the message. Oh, Stephen, he done a good job preaching. Uh, but he just doesn't know where I'm at. But I want to say, God knows your heart. He knows sure the he state does. of your soul. And when you come into the house of God, hear me tonight, church. We need to come with an attitude that we're coming uh, to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This isn't a place of gossip. This isn't a place just to fellowship and pat one row on the back. It's a place to upbuild the name of Jesus Christ and upbuild the church and love Him with our heart and soul and our mind. I feel like preaching tonight. What we need is a good dose of the power of God and the Amen. glory of God in all the saints' hearts and all their souls. Not in their mind, but in their heart. Way down deep Amen. in their soul. And when they come to the Lord, house, they come ready to worship or walk in the house of God with holy hands lifted up. When they sit in the pews, all they can do is just sit there and glorify God. And when Stephen gets up to preach and the singers get up to sing, it'll just be a, like a domino effect falling in from the back all the way to the front where all the souls are glorifying the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Amen. Man, I've seen it and I'd like to see it again. I want to see it again in my life to behold the beauty of the Lord again. I tell you, we've missed some art. I, I'm, I want to be careful what I'm about, about to say. But the revival that they're having up at Corinth, I studied about this, there's going to be a massive crowd up there. And I pray God pours out His sure. power and glory there. But I tell you, it's not enough to get a thousand people to gather there. And all it is is just to gather if the, if the Savior's not there. That's right. I tell you, when, they, when we go to those revival services, I'm going to try to go to one or two whether they like it or not. Amen. I want to say this today. When we get there, when we get there, let us be saturated and full of the power and presence of God. That when we get there, that He's already anticipating us giving Him honor and glory as we get there. Amen. I tell you, we, we, we can work up a good service and a good revival every now and again, but you know when you're in the presence of Almighty God. When He's in the house, it's noise to brawl. Notice this. I'm going to hurry and come to a close. They, uh, he wanted to dwell there not just one day, but He wanted to dwell there all the days of His life. Man, I want to be in sweet communion with my Savior. Amen. I do. I, I want to be in communion with Him. Notice this, and I'm hurrying. Notice, and uh, He had a hiding place as as well. It was in his in the pavilion. It says in verse number five, for in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. I was reading 
this about a pavilion. They said that this pavilion that David's talking about was in the tabernacle of God. And I never read this before, but I, I was reading what Spurgeon had to say about it. And he said this. He said that pavilion would have been an instrument with a roof over it, used for the worship of God. And on the outside would be all the soldiers around that pavilion uh, as they were there and they were being hidden from the enemy on the outside. And I want to say it's one thing to have protection uh, uh, around us. But it's another thing to have protection from above. Amen. I mean to have protection. Have you ever thought about this, Brother Doug? I mean, when you're out, and even as a young man, and you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and you can take on the world and dare them to say something. Have you ever think about who was really watching over you? Somebody from above. How many times have we been in distraught situations? You don't know how in the world you've come out of that mess. And all you can do is point up somebody from above. The king of the ages has fought for you and he's sent his armies around you to take care of you. I read this about a man years ago, a missionary, I believe down in the... Uh, in Africa and said there he was he was in the middle of the night and the enemies were on the war path they were on around and they are coming to kill everyone in the village and this man with his wife was down praying and uh, the man that he was staying with they were praying for God's safety and said when he walked outside uh, the man uh, that he was staying with he said we've got nothing to worry about he said we've got an army around us tonight that's watching over us he said the preacher walked up and said I don't see anybody I don't see nothing he said, oh, they're out there, preacher. They're out there. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. He walked up around there. He opened his eyes. And there was men standing all around with swords and shields and staves. And they all had angels on there. I had halos around them and angels' wings in the back. He said, it's the encampment of the angel of the Lord. Won't you understand this tonight? Hear me, dear church. When we're in trouble, God sends his holy Amen. angels around us to take care of us and to build a hedge of protection around everything. Every single one of God's people. I believe with all of my heart, every single child of God has a guardian angel. Yeah. I believe he does. I, we may see him. He may be angels unawares. We may see him. We may not every now and again. But I want to say this today. God protects his elect. He protects his people. And he loves us. And I'm hurrying now. And I noticed this and also as well. Uh, in verse uh, verse number 13. Jump down to verse number 13. David said, I had fainted. Thank he you. was so distraught. But he said, notice what he did though. I, I, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Notice that word believe. It is an active word. It is a word showing that his faith was in action. In the midst of his sorrow, in the midst of all his trouble, this great man of God, David, he believed the Lord and he said, I, I was lower than I'd ever been. I imagine David maybe laying prostrate in a cave somewhere. There he was laid down, maybe on his face, maybe on his back, maybe uh, studying about all the enemies around him there. And he said, oh, I just won't give up and quit. I've had enough of running. I just, it'd be better off if I was just dead. And old David uh, said in his spirit and his heart, he said, but, uh, there's a little tingling down in his soul. And he said, but I still believe you, Lord. And that's where the battles are won and lost at. It's not out here in the church. It's right here. God deals with the hearts of men and women. And listen, way down in the heart of the individual uh, where David believed, that's when his, uh, 
It all turned around. It all began to get better when he believed the Lord. And I want you to hear this tonight, church. When you get low, don't never count God out. Believe him. Trust him that he's going to just say a prayer like this. Lord, I believe you. That prayer to me has saved me from a lot of bad mistakes. A lot of times I wanted to quit and all of a sudden they'd be a spirit down inside of me. Uh, his Holy Spirit say to me, just trust me. And I'd say, Lord, I believe you. And all of a sudden that countenance that was down on the inside was low and, and just the light seemed to be very dim. They'd be just a little flicker. Don't you understand, church? Believe the Lord when you're low times. That's where the battles are won. Listen, we, we do great things uh, here uh, with the Word of God. Uh, Stephen's one of the greatest preachers there are in the area. And uh, his Bible knowledge is great. And I want to say uh, what, what we really need other than just Bible preaching is we need a preacher full of the Spirit of God. Amen. Which we've got. But we need a church full Amen. of people that believe the Word that he preaches. Amen. Now watch this. We must believe to see and not see to believe. David wasn't looking with a carnal eye. He wasn't waiting on God to do something. He was doing this. God, I'm just going to believe you. Let me say this and read that again. We must believe to see, not see to believe. You say, I believe him when God doesn't know. If we believe God, Amen. he's going to do it. Amen. That's what we need today. Notice this. Uh, his, his hiding place was in the pavilion that he, he fainted not. And, and he was weak during oppression. But he believed. But notice sometimes when we believe God, we have to wait. You know, waiting is a hard job. Is it not? Sure. He says, wait on the Lord. But then here's how we're supposed to do it. He says, do it with good cheer. He says, be of good cheer. Or be of good courage. I'm sorry. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, waiting is, is, not, in, is not in the vocabulary of this generation, of our generation. We You're right. Loud, you know, we'll stick our food in the microwave. Presto, it's there. <clears throat> when you go to Walmart, we say, there's our food. Presto, it's there. Man, we'll go to McDonald's. I don't eat McDonald's much, but occasionally, that if I have to, if I'm held at gunpoint, I'll eat McDonald's. But presto, it's there. Man, we don't even have to go to the bank anymore. We've got debit cards and credit cards. We just stick it in there and chip it, and we're we're done. What what did the world ever do with cash? You know, we we want everything right now. It's a me, 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 hurry, rush. I want it now. Generation. Something we need to learn as a child of God is waiting on God to do His good work. It gets better, church. Here's where it gets better is when we get our eyes off the problems and get our eyes back on the Lord. Yeah. You believe it? Sure. You know, uh, I look back in my life and there's times in my life, Stephen, I thought there's no way Bless God's going to get me out of this mess. There ain't no way. And, and Bless you, buddy. there's still times I look back and say, God, I, I don't understand. And, and, I, and today I don't understand. I, I don't know what I did so wrong. I, and I don't know. And I wish I had the answer. And, and preachers have come to me and said, well, you know, you just sit down. We don't want to hear from you no more. But you're still God's man. You know, I'm like, you get my creep. 
And, and I'm, I'm to the point where I'm saying, God, I don't understand. But then I look at the teachers, or not the teachers, but uh, the ladies at the school. Let, I picked up several early today, and they said, Preacher, you got the pictures of that baby? And I said, Yeah, there's some pictures. So how's he sleeping? I said, He don't. He don't sleep. They just all kind of chuckled and laughed. So I was leaving, but Steve, they said this. They said, uh, we never would have dreamed that you'd come to where you're at. That you're where you're at from where you came from. I said, well, I wish it was different than what it was. You know, I, as, far the, as far as the ministry goes. But you know what, Brother Doug? In my life, it has got better. Sure. It's got a lot better. Sure. <laughs> Sure. It's got a lot better for those two mean kids and that one right there. I'm talking about Gretchen, that little kid. She's a little kid, you know, seven years younger than me. And she's just a young kid and I'm an old man. But it's got better. And it, here's what I want. Here's where where I believe where the battle was won in my in my struggles, Brother John. When I said, God, I'm just going to believe you. I, I, I'm not in control. I can't control it. But I believe and it's gotten better and uh, you know God still hears my prayers I've got a lot of work to do don't keep me wrong but it seems like I can bow my head and say God I see about three or four weeks from now I'm going to need a little extra work and next thing I know within ten minutes I'll be a phone call yeah look at me like I'm crazy that's happening God is taking care of me, and He has gotten so much better than what I ever dreamed. Sure. <laughs> but listen, you're going to come to a place in your life where you're going to be like David or like I was, and you're going to say, "Really? Maybe your kids going to be against you. Maybe your old spouse." I mean, no disrespect to what I'm about to say, but I remember Dean come to me one time. I said, "Dean, you ever had any problems in life?" He said, sit down, let me tell you about it. Wished I'd never said that to him. He said, son, I've made stands in churches when the entire church was against me, and God honored me and blessed me. Then he batted his eyes a little bit, crossed his arms. He said, I've made stands my own wife has been against me, and God honored me. And she'd come and say, honey, I was wrong. He said it was the most awful feeling to have his own wife against me. He said, I knew that in heaven I was right. God was honoring me. And he said, I just believe God and I wait on God to take it. It's coming to you, Christian. There's going to be times when you just want to give up and quit. But don't quit. Just keep believing. It gets better. I promise you it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. I appreciate your attention this evening. I preached to you tonight, and I'm not going to apologize about it. So, Lord uh, bless you. Uh, if you want me to preach to you, and you meet me after the service, I promise you, I'll forgive you.